the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. Yes, indeed. Another Come Together San Diego broadcast with stirring, stunning co-hosts and guests. Uh, I say that because they're sitting right in front of me and I have to say something like that or I'm going to never hear the end of it. (laughs) My listening friend Earl Clampett uh, and Vilma Clampett are with me. I call him. Here come the judge. Hey, Judge Earl, how you doing? Good to be with you, Cass. And the beautiful, gorgeous Vilma. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. By the by the blessings of God. Yes, yes, yes. And you know what it is today, my listening friend? Today is the closing time period of the feast or festival or the celebration of Purim, or Purim as some people say. This is the 12th month in the Hebrew calendar. This is the this is the uh, month that is supposed to be over with overwhelming joy, although this is also the month where the, the God's kids were threatened, had life-threatening things happening to them, kind of like what's going on today. But the reason it's such a month of joy is because guess who wins and guess who loses in this altercation between the bad guy, Haman, and uh, Esther, and Mordecai, and the the king. Guess who wins? <laughs> so maybe some of that victory is going to be presented to you, but also some of the maladies that uh, the children of God in those days faced may be the same, similar kind of things that we face today. So Earl Clampett and Vilma, I'm going to kind of, what my, my heart cry to do with you guys is to be able, be able to hand the baton to you. But before I do, I'm holding up a couple books here. And I guess these are books by a guy named Earl Clampett. Would that be you, uh, Judge Earl? It is, it is. (laughs) Two titles, remarkable titles. God's got a problem on his hands. Uh, That's an enticing comment, and you can guess who the problem is. I mean, who the problem is. I mean, guess who the problem is. We're going to talk about some of that today. Earl is going to talk about who the problem is and what can be done about it. The other book is a remarkable, challenging book. It's called The Blueprint. And the uh, second title is, Is God's Bible Design Linear or Circular? We're going to talk about that in maybe directly or indirectly today as well. So, Earl Clampett, uh, good to have you. And Vilma, always good to have you. And every once in a while, while you have Tim Tag along, we love it. My listening <laughs> friend, you, you need to know that we've been friends for a lot of decades. That's right. A lot of them. Yeah, we have. Uh, so, Earl, I, I, as I told you before, you're going to be leading the charge on this, and I'm just going to do color commentary. And, of course, Vilma is free to jump in whenever she likes. Okay, Vilma? Okay. Okay, Earl. I'm going to hand it to you and watch the countdown here. He, he likes countdowns. One billion and one, one billion. What? I'm kidding. Here we go. And, Earl, what do you got to say? Okay. So, so Kaz, <laughs> you did a, a radio show uh, back on the 25th of January. We had people calling in. And... Um, uh, you put us in that first slot, and the Lord uh, gave me a prophecy. I'm not going to repeat it uh, in the, as if I were given a prophecy, but I, I think it's worth um, reading. And it was based on uh, Second Chronicles uh, 
Second Chronicles, what do we have here? 7, verses 13 and 14. And I'll read it real briefly. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, and then here's verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, here it is, and the key, and turn yes. from their wicked ways, then I will hear from mm. heaven, and I will forgive their sin yes. and heal their land. And based on that verse, this is what the prophecy uh, was probably about just about a month ago. And that question, I heard questions, and it was question. And the Lord's asking the question, rhetorically, maybe not so rhetorically. Question, is have we, the Iglesia, the Ecclesia, the church, have we actually repented as called for in verse 14 yes. of Second Chronicles 7? Have we actually done that? Good uh, question. The Lord, the Lord is asking, um, I have, or whether we have humbled ourselves, that's also... Uh, in there as, as, as a condition or stipulation. And the last one was, have we turned from our wicked ways? I just want to say something, kind of an in, introduction sort of thing. Uh, when Franklin Graham walked um, and in Washington, you were there. Yes. Um, I noticed that um, Vice President Pence mm-hmm. kind of quoted this verse. This was at the Lincoln Memorial, as I recall. Correct. Yeah. And it's interesting, he was reading this, but he said... He stopped after the word. He said, if my people who are called by my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. There's no period there. No. There's no comma. There's no semicolon. He stopped there. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, why did he stop there? Because it kind of took the the, uh, fire out of it. It kind of took out the, the real thrust. The Lord God of Israel says, this is what we said a month ago, um, you claim to be a covenant nation with me. For your first settlers made covenants with me, dedicating your land to me, asking to be treated just as you treated ancient Israel as a country, as a nation. I heard your declarations and covenants back in Jamestown, 1607, back in Plymouth, 1620, and especially back in Massachusetts Bay Colony, 1630, with your leader Winthrop. <clears throat> he asked in his covenant with me whether I would either bless the founding nation or judge it based on my earlier covenant, my Abrahamic covenant that I made with mm-hmm. my Hebrew children. Yes, with Israel, yeah. Right. Winthrop invoked Micah 6, 8 as the framework by which um, God was to either bless or judge our nation. And there's a precept in the law that says, basically, covenants run with the land, which means successive or, and uh, following generations are bound by those covenants. Yes, so the, the first covenant is basically the uh, standing document. Exactly, yes. and it carries on even though we're in another generation. So for the last half century, this is what I heard from the Lord. Your nation has basically driven me out of your public schools. You've driven me out of your public square. Your, uh, national, you've driven me out of your national legislative functions. By the way, talking about nat- national legislative functions, our... Um, beginning session of the arriving uh, Congress, the House, when it met, it began with a prayer. And the prayer was done by a part-time minister, can't recall his name right now, but it's on YouTube, everyone should go and check it out. Um, He prayed, he prayed 
to Brahma. Now, he had oh, a mask my. on. He had a mask on his face. Everyone was laughing because when he ended the prayer, it was like, amen, and to a woman, and, you know. Every, yeah, amen, a woman. I right, right. And everyone's that. laughing about that, but, but he was they need to go serious. back. Yeah. Well, they need to go mm-hmm. back and check, you know, two minutes earlier because he prayed to Brahma. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, people have to check this out. I mean, that's how we began our legislative session. And what year. does that tell you? Man, oh, man. Have we, fall, have we taken God out of the public oh square? Okay. Um, your nation's culture uh, is now calling good evil and evil good. That's right. Uh, you, the church, were my witnesses. You've been found wanting. You've tolerated and sanctioned evil in your culture and in your society. You compromised my standards. Um, you're, you've institutionalized and sanctioned evil. Come on. You have chosen to remain in Goshen as slaves to the modern Egyptian culture by worshiping their gods, their values, mm-hmm. their culture. Oh my. And for there to be a revival of a great awakening, which we all want, uh, there, this can only occur by a means of a repentant church along the lines of Second Chronicles 7.14. What I see today generally in my church is pride. I see arrogance. I see false confidence. I see compromise with the culture. I see accommodation with secular culture and a lack of righteousness. Oh my! He space. He he. This is what the Lord said: "You, my church, have lost your witness to the world." Mm. So I say to my people: Come out from among the bales, the Astros, the Dagons, the Molechs. You sacrifice your youth to the abortionist tools of death, and your public schools' messages of perversion and depravity. Um, educating your children. And the Lord said, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, return to me and live, for I am eternal life, as is my son. Yes. Transform yourselves by the renewing of your minds, present yourselves a living sacrifice, Mm -hmm. and you will reap a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Vilma had some prayer time regarding that that, uh, prophecy. Okay. Hi, Vilma. Hello. Well, as I was praying and seeking the Lord um, the last few days, I felt the Lord very clearly saying to me, my children, you come to me and I will tell you what's going on. You seek me first and only me and I will disclose to you the evil in which we find ourselves in these days. These are really difficult days and even more difficulties are coming our way. You need to stay fast in me. You need to focus on me. You need to put your head on my, on my chest and hear my voice. Mm. You need to repent, yes, and you need to just draw close to me because I want to take you by your hand and guide you and keep you and protect you and give you knowledge and give you strength. Because harder days are ahead. There is no question about it. But I want to give you the strength to stay mm. courageous, to stay strong, and to stay bold, mm. and to stand up to the truth yes, of yes, my yes. scriptures. Yes, yes, yes. In yes. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Earl and Vilma, this is what a remarkable topic. And I'm glad that you guys came with this because I really believe the church needs to hear the words you guys have to share today. So you're going to stay with me until 7 o'clock, the second hour, through the end of the second hour as well. We're going to excavate this. But let me tell you who you have here. You have uh, San Diego 
a county, a guy in San Diego County who's served as, as judge for many years, and uh, he has a, a, that legal background, so he's going to give you that side, but also the grace side. He's able to do that. But speaking of grace is his wife, Vilma. She's also been in the court system administrating, uh, and so she has some insights. We're going to have fun uh, dipping into those pools as uh, we find out where the church is and where the church needs to be based on Scripture and based on the signs of the times today when Vilma Earl Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends, and indeed back again. And you know, one of the things that uh, I look at when I see, see the tribulation and the challenges in the face of the church, I'm wondering how much of that is really our fault for being negligent in the things we have, we should not have been negligent in. And I'm just so thrilled when Earl uh, came to me and said, I have an idea for a show. And I said, hey, Earl, I have an idea for a show. And it was the same idea. So pretty good, huh, Earl? <laughs> uh, yeah, we were on the same page. <laughs> I know. We, and that happens every I once know, in a while. once every 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but let me just briefly tell you a little bit about Earl and Vilma. Um, these are people that have a real comprehension and an understanding of how the law works, but in the natural, but also the spiritual, because they're deeply seated in God's Word, have an intimate relationship with the Lord and Savior, but also have an intimate relationship with the court system in many different aspects, and so they kind of know how that works. Earl, you were uh, a, a law judge in the state of California and found yourself in San Diego much of your career. Briefly give us an overview of that, and I'm going to ask a similar question of Vilma. Okay, I was an administrative law judge with the state of California. Yes. Spent most of my time in San Diego County. Had coverage, though, jurisdiction over four, four different counties doing administrative appeals um, for administrative law issues. Anything from workers' compensation to unemployment insurance to welfare fraud to tax to anything administrative law. But you know the system, basically. Yeah. Okay, very yeah. good. And Vilma knows the system because you've been intimately involved in the court system by Como. I was. <laughs> I love that. I was a Spanish interpreter in federal court for seventeen years, and in federal court for about fifteen years, state, state court. A, a state court, yeah. and so all criminal. So I saw horrendous cases. Yes, and um, that's how. Yeah. that was my career. So you have some insights. Let's oh just yes, say. definitely. So, so one of the things that we we do through this show is we're going to give people an opportunity like you if you have an insight you just let me know and we'll let you let you will you let me know and I'll let you go and uh, Earl uh, I'm going to hand it over to you and where you want to take this segment Earl you know the, the message is just powerful right now we need to reconcile before we can say the world needs to be fixed we have to look internally and say here's how God wants to fix us but beyond that how God wants to fix me Earl Clampett right well we're going to talk a lot about how God needs to fix us um, later on in the other segments when we yes. talk about the what's the new covenant and how is it, it implemented. But I did want to describe briefly, uh, you know, if, if you went into CAS to get your wheels or your tires changed and the guy who was supposed to put the, the technician who was supposed to do the lug nuts on didn't tight, tighten them on all four wheels mm. and you drove home, okay, and you would start to feel something because the wheels aren't tightened. <laughs> and the lug nuts start to come off. And first it's one wheel, and then it's the second wheel, and then and on and on. And the whole car is yes. going to begin to shimmy. 
And that's what I think my discussion with other Christians is, is that they feel, uh, understandably so, that the wheels are coming off oh, yes. our, our nation. Okay? So I went to the Lord about it, and the Lord said, look, there, it's uh, very intense, but he said, I want to take you to the 30,000-foot view. And that is, what, when we talk about um, conflict and warfare, etc., our um, expertise per the Lord is supposed to be in the spiritual realm, because when we see people um, full of vitriol or bitterness or hate towards us, we have to not focus on that vessel, but rather go to the spiritual component that is pushing the buttons of that particular vessel. And we and it's hard to do because obviously somebody's six inches from your nose <laughs> and they're telling you what they, uh, what they think about you, and it gets uh, pretty, potentially pretty heated. And we have to literally uh, almost say, take me up to where you are, Lord. Mm-hmm. Come up here so I can give you my lenses in my glasses to tell you how to really engage in spiritual warfare. Ooh. Okay, so, and so one of the things that I thought was interesting was I, I just finished a book called The Dust of Death yes. by Oz Guinness, and um, he wrote this book 50 years ago about the 60s uh, counterculture and how it changed America forever. He was an Englishman who came over here on a three-year sabbatical, and he came right in the year of 1968. And so it was in the, in the heat of uh, all the 60s uh, upheaval. Yes. And uh, he basically got so much uh, request that he republished the book, and so he did 50 years later. And um, I, I just finished it, and I'm going to include it in some of the ideas um, uh, in, in my book that I'm trying to finish up, which is called um, Homecoming, How the New Covenant Brings Both Jew and Gentile Back to Father God. But anyway, he talked about... There's a big difference between constitutional republic and what we're engaging in uh, from our universities called neo-Marxism. And basically, just in a very brief way, a constitutional republic, all of our founders, whether it be Washington or Adams or Madison, they all said this, uh, when you give people independence and liberty, they have to be self-governing from within. Mm. And if you don't have a religious people who fear God— No moral structure is what you're you, saying. Exactly. You cannot keep your freedom and your liberties in a constitutional republic. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what we're uh, engaging with now, coming out of our universities, is something that's been around for 50 years. It's called neo-Marxism. Neo-Marxism. Right. And basically what, what it's all about is uh, it's all about division. Okay, it's it's basically what did the American Revolution look like versus what did the French Revolution look like a few years later? And when you contrast those two, they were not similar in the least. And so what the kids are being taught in the schools today is what they call critical theory. Mm. It's based on God is dead. And it's all about division, whether you divide people by by, uh, sex or you divide people by class, economic class, or whether you divide people by race, whether you divide people by age groups. But the idea is to basically say, for every division, there's an oppressed group called the victims, and your job is to figure out, well, who's the oppressor? There's always a subordinate. In that case, well, who's the superior? There's somebody in the minority, yeah, but who's the majority? And so basically what critical theory teaches— on liberal, to liberal arts majors in college campuses is you're to analyze the victim, and then uh, you weaponize the victim to attack the status quo. Yeah, and it's, one another. Yeah, and one another, <laughs> and it's very dangerous. And so um, it's, it's – God has a message, I think, in this revival that we're going to see. 
in a moment where we're most divided, we're most torn apart, and we're most at each other's throats, God says, I'm going to unify yes. not just my church, but I'm going to unify the people to say, what if God behind the scenes, basically in spiritual warfare, he saw what the enemy's tactics are with neo-Marxism to divide everybody. Yes. He comes along and says, hmm, the Bible story is all about a family affair. Oh, my. And the family affair is, um, we know the older brother, Jesus, in the, in the Lord's Prayer. We know the Holy Spirit. But we, who, how many of us know the Father, Father. Who, who had this original plan in Genesis 1 and 2, how it's supposed to work? And I, what I think is going to happen in this, in this revival, it's going to look different, it's going to feel different, it's going to be different, because there's going to be a new emphasis on Father God. Yes. Because, listen, Jesus said this, for John fourteen six. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. What we think when we say that verse is no one gets to heaven but by me, but that's not what the verse says. Mm. It says no one gets to the Father. And so the difference in this, in this revival that's coming forward is that it's going to be an emphasis on, on the nuclear family, and it's going to say it's all about discovering who our Father was, because if we all have the same Father, yeah. Kaz, guess what? We are part of the same family, yes. and, and you and I are brothers and, yes. and sisters, and all of a sudden, there's going to be a unification at a level that is the world's now Ooh, ready to see it. because everyone's had a father. Whether your relationship was mediocre, whether it was good, whether it was terrible, the divine father says, wait till you get to know me. I provide you three things, protection, provision, mm. and I give you your identity. Oh, my, that family. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. You know, that, that is so true. And, you know, and so do the Father. The Father loves them, too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like Father, like Son, like mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I'm seeing when you talk about neo-Nazism and all, that whole neo-Marxism. neo-Marxism and all those kind of things, neo-Nazism, too, pro- probably as well. But one of the things that I'm seeing is everything, you know, as I look at the TV set right now, a lot of things on TV are the black against the white and his, history that's uh, Jews wrong, yeah, yeah, Jew, Jew yeah. against Gentile, black against white, and yeah. all those kind of things. Right. You see these things in documentary form as though they're trying to pump it, pump up the whole vernacular that that's true. Do you know? You may not know this. You know what the Coke can looks like. The Coke can. Well, I just saw the most recent uh, iteration of the Coke can. I've seen it literally, and it you know it used to be uh, the whole world wants the Coke and you know give a Coke one another. The slogan now is something along the lines of the new slogan is be less white. Mm-hmm. It's actually printed on the can. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So so the, the world is trying to get us separated from one another and change things. Right. So we've got about a minute left in this in this segment. Why don't you close this segment? And would you consider just doing a brief prayer over what we've said to close this segment, Vilma, as well? Would you, in just a moment? or would you? Yeah, let, in fact, let, let me have her because we're running up against the time. Would you like to just say, a, would you be so kind as just say a, a quick prayer over this and then we'll go to the next segment, Vilma? Yes, Father God, we come to you, Abba, and we ask that you bring us all together the way you intended it to be, Lord. We are all your children. It doesn't matter what color our skin is. It doesn't matter where we come from. Nothing 
we are all one in you, <laughs> Abba. And we, I know you love us and you want that to continue to be the case because that's what you intended from the beginning yes. of ages. Thank you, Abba, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So quickly, in, a, in one word, one sentence, I will not give you one word. I know you'd have trouble with that one, but one quick <laughs> sentence. What are we going to cover in the next segment, and then we'll take a break? Covenants. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I knew as soon as I say you couldn't do it in one one word, and he comes up with the one word. We're going to talk about covenants on Velma and Earl Clampett and Casca. <laughs> Come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, I'm Jay On, president and founder of Harvest International Ministry in Pasadena, and I want to make an apostolic declaration. God loves San Diego, and I declare revival and transformation of San Diego. I declare heaven on earth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. My friends, hey there, my friends, how you doing? You know, in the last segment, Earl talked about a car that uh, had the wheels, lug, the lug nuts on the wheels going bad. Today I'm going to start the next segment with my wheels going a little bit, but I'm getting fixed because God's giving me the truths there. Earl Clampett, uh, Judge Earl Clampett, uh, Simple Truth Ministries, and his beloved, lovely wife, Vilma. Good to have you both with us. Thank and you. uh, you've opened the door to some vital information that the church really needs to hear about this. By the way, my friends, if you want to go to Simple Truth ministries.net. You're going to find out a lot about the ministry itself, but you'll see a, a direct relationship with Israel. We love Israel around here. But also, you're going to see some books there that you can purchase as well. One's called God's Got a Problem on His Hands by the wonderful Earl Clampett, and the second one that he finished a, a little while ago called The Blueprint, which is God's Linear uh, Design uh, or is it circular? He talks about those things in the book. So, Earl, you've uh, you told us in the la- the last word of the last segment we're we're going to talk about covenant. So, lay it on us, won't you, please? I will, but I'm going to say a poem first. Uh-oh. It has nothing to do with covenants, but it has something to do with the last segment. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about neo Marxism. Um, there was one thing I learned when I was reading this uh, book by Os Guinness, which is called um, the Dust uh, the Dust of Death. Uh huh. Um, did you know, when, when I was in school, I was taught Karl Marx was an atheist, right? I mean, that's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. He actually did have a very uh, religion. He had a strong religion. Ooh. And so when you go back to his early poems, I'm just going to read one of the poems, but uh, for bet- that between 1841 and 1848, uh, you're going to read uh, one called The Fiddler, another one called Pride. But I'll just read The Fiddler here real quick. And, uh, and the reason... We need to, do, we need to feel, figure out this is a spiritual warfare. Listen to what his religion is. Till hearts bewitched, till senses reel, with Satan I have struck my deal. Oh my. He, he chalks the signs, he beats time for me, I play the death march. Fast and free. It's called The Fiddler by Karl Marx. Oh, my. There's a whole bunch of those poems. I encourage everybody to look it up, read his poems. He wrote the manifesto, uh, Camus Manifesto, in 1848. 
So this guy was not an atheist. He no, was he a was Satanist. Satanist. Well, okay, and, so and a lot of people in, lot. In, in the United States are religious, but what is the religion? I guess is the question. And Earl, you know, we know we realize that uh, we're being being bombarded by things, uh, and some of them just don't, they don't seem like they're just non-religious. They are definitely have a religious bent, but they are the wrong religion, Satanism, and we have to really identify that and yep. deal with it. So tell us more, Earl Clampett. Okay, so let's talk about the importance of covenants. Okay. All right, so oftentimes we Gentiles can say, you know, the, uh, two, the first two-thirds of the Bible has to all to do with the Jews, and I'm not Jewish, I'm Gentile, I'm a goy, as they say, or goyim in the plural. And what importance does, does a covenant have with me that was made between the first Jew, Abraham, um, and, you know, way back when, thousands of years ago? Well, <clears throat> I want to explain to them that in the law, well, first of all, let's, call it, let's define what a covenant is. A covenant is a contract. A lot of times when the Abrahamic covenant is taught, it's taught as if it were just untethered promises. Mm -hmm, In other words, mm -hmm. there really wasn't a legal agreement between two parties. However. However, not true, (laughs) because I used to teach contracts and uh, contract law. This uh, Abrahamic covenant, especially when you look at the one that was in um, Genesis chapter 12, it's what they call a unilateral contract. And what what that is, I'm not going to go into too technical here, Uh, it's it's a... uh, offer for a return action. It's a promise, rather. It's a promise for a return action. So it's based on something. It's it, not it, just, I'm going to tell you, well, you get this. It, it's a it's reciprocal. St- exactly. Yes. And, and, and there are two parties entering into basically an agreement mm-hmm. that's legally enforceable. That's why it's called a covenant. A covenant is just another word for a contract. So it is basically a promise for a return action. So we go to, act, for example, um, Genesis 12. Yes. Abraham is told, you go, leave your family, get out of Dodge, so to speak, get out of Ur, and go where I'm going to show you, and I will give you land, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and it's actually going to be ultimately for the beneficiary of people who are not going to be directly your seed, but indirectly your seed, okay? So, so uh it was basically a, an agreement also which included the Gentiles by saying those nations that bless you mm-hmm. will in turn also be blessed. Those mm-hmm. nations that curse you will be cursed. So if we're, I'm just stepping back and looking at this and saying, are we, Lord, are we a nation that blesses you or are we a nation that curses you? And he says yes to both answer, as both answers. Well, you know, yes. Sadly. We're going to get into that in another yes. segment because that's yes. a great question, Cass. Bingo. You, you're, you're, you're tracking. So— Here's the importance of this covenant. If, if you have a contract and you are a, um, a property owner, you yes. own an apartment building, and you allow a tenant to come in, well, you're going to form a, a renter's contract. Contracts are used to display the nature of people as they interact in between the parties. The nature of the people? Yeah. For example, if a renter says, Kaz, uh, you tell me I have to pay on the first of every month. But you know what? I don't pay you the first of every month. I have an excuse. For every time it's due day for the rent, I give you another excuse why I can't pay you on time. And it happens over mm. and over and over. And then let's reverse it. Um, I, as a renter, I want you to fix my apartment because when, it, when my toilet leaks or when my, uh, there's a backup or an overflow, I would expect you would yes. not allow it to be, become uninhabitable, right? Because, but you don't. 
And I've told you about my leaking toilet, my leaking uh, kitchen faucet, and I've got mold in the house, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm starting to know your character Mm. because it's the terms of the contract. Well, that's why God picks contracts. He picks covenants because he says, I want to show you my nature about yep. a good God. And I he am. never backs out of his part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, and, and look what happened. Abraham got out of Ur, and he did what God told him to do, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he kept his part of the bargain because don't forget, a unilateral contract is a promise in exchange for an action. Uh. Abraham did the action when he got his family and left. Boom. God's on the hook legally to do all of his promises, mm. and they're not untethered because God's now legally obligated, and he's going to show Abraham God's nature to say, I am a faithful God. Yes. I am a consistent God. I am, I'm here to bless you and prosper you and, and, and let you know what your identity is, and I'm here to protect you and give you provision, everything. I'm your father. And so that's a... a a contract, That's a right, fabric. a binding, a binding yes. contract. and it's a family. Yes. It's a family, but it's also a contract. So two things. We um, are the ultimate beneficiary. I'm talking about the people of the nations. Yes. And God picked a group of people called Hebrews and Jews to say, I, as a prototype, Everything I do with the Jewish people, I want you Gentiles to pay attention to, and I want you to learn how I operate. I want to show you my nature because watch how I fulfill the terms of this contract called covenant. Mm. And as you begin to learn who I am consistently and faithfully, then you will be you actually this contract was made ultimately for you also as my children. Mm-hmm. All right, down the road. Yes. But learn from the prototype. Yes. Study it. That's why we have to go back to the first two thirds of the Bible. Yeah, you have to go back to the Old Testament and understand we the do. character of God. Yes, because there's thing this thing called the New Covenant. Yes. And we're going to discuss that in later segments because these covenants don't cancel out each other, Cass. Yes. These covenants are are like rungs on a ladder. Yes. Okay. And so somebody says, "Oh, well, there's another covenant here, so it must wipe out the other mm. ones or nullify them." No. Mm. To the contrary, they build on Ooh. each other. Okay. Ooh. It's building a construct here. So we Gentiles think, well, that's an old covenant, so it's therefore um, nunc pro tunc, which, which means as if it never existed. Mm. No. no, 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 no. A precedent it's, was set. Exactly. And God's showing His nature and His character, and. He doesn't change. We need to learn who he is through his covenant. Oh, Earl Clampett, that's really remarkable. And one of the things that we need to understand that the Old Testament is not there just uh, to to warm the fireplace. <laughs> it is there to warm our spirit and soul and character because the precepts of God are seen clearly there so that we can carry them, actually carry them properly into the New Testament. And so we're going to learn those lessons as we go here on Come Together San Diego, a brief prayer over what we've done so far. Would you be so kind? Father, we just appreciate so much that you have included all your children, Lord, Jew and Gentile, in your covenant examples, Lord, in your covenant making. We just appreciate that, Mm. and we want to be part of that. So teach us, Lord, how to be part of that covenant, how to obey 
and be part of that covenant, Father, in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. It reminds me, obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. And a lot of times that we, we, we Christians, we, 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 we get everything all kind of mixed up. First of all, we think that the covenants are, are too legalistic, but God is legalistic in the keeping of his, and he has a lot of grace for us. We're going to learn about those things probably with Earl in future segments. But also we need to understand his character by digging into his old, the Old Testament character of him where he keeps his promises and his words, and you can apply that to us today as well. Earl, Vilma, and Kaz are going to tell you more about that when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. We are indulging in a little bit of legal verbiage to understand the character of God. But you see, mercy triumphs over judgment, and you're going to see that aspect of God every day, all the time as well. But we're talking about covenants. And, you know, uh, I've spent some time, and Earl and Vilma have spent probably some time in Israel as well. But one of the things that I have seen as I've introduced, you know, been introduced to uh, Messianic Jews and Orthodox Jews and ultra-Orthodox Jews and ascetic Jews and all this, they, they, they understand that they are under covenant, and they take it very, very, very seriously. And uh, we in the United States... We don't really have that mentality about covenant. We don't really care that much. We've been so used to just uh, the Constitution and just in trying to embrace what the Constitution says. Well, that will steer us in the right direction of covenant uh, uh, law and things like that. But what we're seeing right now is this whole Constitution breaking down when you have ulterior motives on the other side to take you away from law into lawlessness, and that's exactly where we're coming here. And Earl, I'd like to pose the question to you and, and invest some time in this, if you would, Earl Clampett, uh, of, uh, of Simple Truth Ministries uh, dot net. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about America's uh, uh, being a covenant, a covenant nation, or are we, and where do we need to go to make that right between our Creator, and ourselves. Earl Clampett. Okay, thank you. Um, here's, here's what's interesting. People are trying to figure out, are we being judged? Well, we have to understand that if, if there is a covenant or a contract that this nation, this, as a group made with God, and I'm not talking 1776. I am not talking 1787 when the Constitution was formed and, and finalized. I'm not talking when the revolution began. I am talking, Kaz, what America's real heritage is in spiritual terms. Ooh, and from God's point of view, when did God pay attention to what we began as? And, and God's looking at something to say, well, wait a minute. You guys want to enter into a, a, a bargain, a contract, an agreement with me, a covenant? Well, there are these three events uh, back in the 17th century, early 17th century. The first one was uh, uh, 1607. We have the founding of Jamestown. Can't, uh, can't hear you. Uh, we have, the, I'm sorry, 1607, the founding of Jamestown. And then uh, that was the Episcopal Church yes. being set up. And then later in 1620, uh, that was when the pilgrims got off course. They thought they were going to end up in Virginia, but they ended up um, at Plymouth. Yes. Uh, in far, far north. Okay, they made a, a covenant, but it was called a compact. It was mm-hmm. called the Mayflower Compact, yes. okay? But the big one, the biggie was in 1630, 10 years later, 
in Massachusetts Bay Colony, there was a group of, of um, Calvinists, yes. Puritans, that mm-hmm. came over by, by a guy named John Winthrop. And I wanted just to, to he, when they, before they even got off the ship, the Arbella, that was the name of their ship, they said, we have to, we got off course, uh, but we have to figure out an agreement on how we're going to have our social fabric function. What are going to be the rules? What are, what's going to be the inspiration here? And Winthrop was a very religious man, and as were most of the Puritans. And so I wanted to read to you, when Winthrop writes this covenant called A Model of Christian Charity, he writes this thing on this ship before they even get off and touch land. And it's basically something that he is saying, Dear God, I want you to judge this American founding as we dedicate this land to the, to the advancement of your kingdom. I want you to judge us the same way you judged and, and uh, uh, assessed ancient Israel mm-hmm. in their covenant relationship. And it's like, are you sure you want to ask that? Oh, my, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so let me just read this, a little parts of it. I can't go into a whole lot, but um, part of it is, is going to be the foundation of Micah 6, 8, um, out of the Jewish covenant. It says, now, the only way to avoid this shipwreck and to provide for our posterity, this is part, this is John Winter um, writing, is to follow the counsel of Micah, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. For this end, we shall be knit together in this work, listen, as one man. Oh. Have you heard that before? We must entertain each other in brotherly affection. We must be willing to abridge ourselves of our, um, of our super, super, I can't read this, it's old English, superfluities for the supplies and of others' necessities. We hold uh, the, ourselves into all meekness and gentleness and patience and liberality to make other people's conditions our own, to rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, okay, on and on. But then he, listen how he calls the God. He says, we, we shall find that the God of Israel mm. is amongst us. These are Calvinists. Yes. The God of Israel is amongst us. When ten of us shall be able to resist a thousand of our enemies, when he shall make a, us a praise and a glory that all men shall say, may the Lord God make it like New England. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. So if this here, now here's the kicker. Here's where he says, judge us like you judged ancient Israel. Mm. Micah 6, 8, right? But here it says, so that if we deal falsely with our God in this covenant, right, um, in his work that we have undertaken and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through all the world. In other words, a hiss and a byword amongst all, all the world. We shall open the mouths of enemies to speak evil of the ways of God and all professors for God's sake. We shall shame the faces of many of God's worthy servants and cause their prayers to be turned into curses upon us till we be consumed out of the good land whither we are going. And then he quotes Moses, Deuteronomy 30, in his last farewell. And he says, Beloved, there is now set before us life and death, good and evil in that we are commanded this day to love the Lord our God, to love one another, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his ordinance and his laws and the articles of our covenant with him so that we may live and multiply. 
and the God and God may bless us. My, my, my. Let, let me tell you what I just saw here. You know, we've heard tell. You know, the, the God chose Israel. God co- called his uh, the Jews to be his people. In the United States, we, as I, based on what you read, we chose. God to be our God, and it's kind of like a different twist on the whole deal. He chose Israel to be his people, but we chose God to be our God. And so what that means is the love affair that he has with Israel, he must also, by necessity, have that same love affair with us. But we put ourselves in that covenant where if we violate our part of the bargain, then he, you know, he has the freedom, he has the legislative right to turn from us as well. So we're going to talk more. I know we're going to talk more about this because you set it up, you wise guy. This man, uh, his judicial background, I can see where he's going. He's setting the case, the case here to uh, make the closing statements. <laughs> We've got more coming up in the whole next hour to talk about it. And uh, Vil- Vilma and Earl Clampett and I are going to talk more about this when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ San Marcos Poway and K29CR Encinitas, FM 106.1 North County, AM 1210 San Diego, K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, my friends, <laughs> welcome back to the second half of Come Together San Diego. Thank you, Engineer Thomas. Really appreciate it, brother. Hey, you know, my friends, I, I was thinking about Earl and some of the books that he wrote. And I, one of the titles of one of his books is real. I'm going to use actually to springboard into this segment. This book, uh, Earl, one of the early books for Earl Clampett, it says God's got a problem on his hand. And while the topic may be a little bit different, the, the, the theme, the headline of that is something that I want to bring to bear right now. God Does God have a problem on his hand? Because here we are, uh, as you spoke of in the last segment, Earl, because we, one of the, I don't know, a different, a different nation that could possibly have done as much as the United States has done during the Trump administration uh, in particular, uh, you know, uh, you, you you rattle a number of them off, uh, and like the embassy, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. Um, so the protection, for example, def- yeah, uh, partnership. Defense, yeah, right, uh, yeah, defense. exactly. Uh, and what did you say, Vilma? The treaty bringing peace, the peace treaty. Yes, 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 the Abrahamic with, uh, Accord. Yes, that yeah. Exactly. Yes. So that that's you know those are all good plus things on the the. the uh, the the scoreboard, but however, you mentioned earlier on in the show that there was a covenant made by some of the early founders in America, and they set the stage pretty, high, set the bar pretty high, uh, and so we're accountable for that as well. So, as I say, as, you, as your book title says, uh, God's got a problem on his hands. How do how, how do you reconcile the fact that we're our heart cry for Israel, but also our violation of biblical? Precepts, Earl Clampett, answer those questions, would you, Mr. Judge? Okay, well, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of tension right now in the yes. Christian community because there are a lot of prophetic voices out there that uh, saying that God's going to do a miracle and he's going to you know, restore you know, the, the previous administration and this and that. But there's one um, particular individual that I've been reading a lot, which is a Messianic rabbi yes. uh, who's written all these books called The Harbingers. There's two of those, mm. The Paradigm. 
and uh, you know, and uh, what was the other one? The Book of Mysteries. Yes. And then I'm thinking, oh, Oracle. and the last one was uh, Oracle. Yes. Oracle. Oracle. Yes. I think I know the guy. Yeah. And so he is saying, and has been saying for years. Why don't you mention his name? It's oh, okay. Jonathan, Jonathan Khan. Jonathan Khan. He's been he's been going the opposite direction. And he's saying, guys, I've been warning about this thing called judgment because we haven't kept our original founding documents. From our forefathers that landed in In the 1600s. Yes. All right. And so God takes covenants very seriously because he is the author of justice. Yes. He is the author of law. He is the author of order. He is the author of of kingdom. And so for us to say, oh, well, we, uh, you know, that was how many years ago. But here's the thing, Cass. These covenants that were made by the Americans, well, no, they weren't Americans, they were English, okay? They were way before, 150 years before America in that sense. And they, these covenants were attached to and became part of Of. the land, the Mm -hmm. soil, all right, and there's a precept in English common law that says basically, if, uh, if two people come together and they form a, a covenant, for example, and they say, "Kaz, uh, you're going to develop some uh, empty land, but I want you to agree as the developer, I'm the owner of the land, and we, you and I are going to go down to the county registrar uh, office and we're going to file what they call covenants, co- uh, covenants." Uh, restrict see covenants co- uh, codes and re- and restrictions and I'm, I'm not saying that right um, conditions covenants conditions and restrictions and basically we're filing it with the with the registrar because we say people that come after us I want you Kaz as the developer I only want single family residents I don't want commercial mm-hmm. I don't want any sort of, of of dirty industry I want clean in- but I want this to, this to be a residential area yes. okay so we agree we register it. All right, now contract. you pass away and I pass away, but that that contract stays in force. It's a covenant. Well, it's, yes. it's called a covenant because it's attached to land. Yes. It mm-hmm. is a contract. You're correct, but it's attached to land. Mm-hmm. So the successive following generations have to go along with the terms of that covenant. Well, guess what? We mm. can't get out of this. Mm. This is this is attached to the land when they landed in Virginia, when they landed in in Massachusetts. There's there for the whole continent. They're saying. We're dedicating this land to the advancement of the kingdom of God to bring the, God, the good news to the, to the indigents that live there, and we are going to not only pioneer it, we're going to settle it, and we're going to have this be a tent peg extension of the kingdom, but we want to have it legal enforced, legally enforced. Well, when you say, I want to be judged by Micah 6, 8, yes. from here on forward, he, God will say, okay, fine. Are you doing justly? Mm. Are you are you loving uh, mercy? Um, are you walking humbly? Yes. Well, that's the question, uh, you know, and because that's what we said the terms were. Yes. All right. God takes these contracts very, very seriously, as we have seen how He contractually did things with with the Hebrew people and yes. the nation of Israel. We're no different. Yes. Because, like you said earlier, we approached God. And we said we want the same rules to apply. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say that. He takes you at your word. Yes. Okay. And we've said we want to be judged and blessed the same, uh, in the same sort of orbit, the same sort of relationship that you treat your other covenant nation. When you do that, and that's what Jonathan Kahn's books were all about. He said, "You guys, it's not 
the uh, what happened in the Revolutionary War. It's what happened in the 150 mm-hmm. years before, before yes. that. Yes. That was the contract you made with God. Are you keeping the terms? Yes. So here's the question. So people are saying, well, wait a minute. In the last administration, we blessed the socks off of Israel. You know, we moved our our embassy over to Jerusalem. And we, we recognized it as the capital. Yes, yes, yes. We, yeah, we protected them. We provided in so many ways. And then we brought peace to Israel in an incredible yes, way. Yes, Abrahamic at, at, okay, Accord. Abraham Remarkable. Accords. Several of the Arab nations signed peace agreements with Israel, right? Well, aren't we blessing? And, and under the Abrahamic covenant, we as a Gentile nation should be blessed according to those terms. But what do we do with our American, unique American contract terms where we set the standard to say we want ancient Israel to be the model on how you judge us? Yes. And that's why there's tension, Cass. Yes. What we're trying to figure out is God enforcing the terms of the American covenant we made with him, or are we saying, well, wait, this, all, we, we violated all this for the last 50 years. This country is unrecognizable yes. as far as our kicking God out of society. Yes. Every element, every dimension of society, we've kicked God out, right? Yes. And it's, we threw it through the court system, through the legislatures, through all of these acts. Yes. And we are now here saying there's rubble all around. Things aren't working. Mm-hmm. The wheels are coming off the car. Yes. And so we're, we're scratching our heads and saying, why is that? We need to go back and learn and study our history. But more than just that, what happened contractually and legally back when those covenants were formed in the very beginning, when they put the foot on the dirt, on the land. The land takes the covenant with it. It yes. lists forever. That's why there's so much confusion. Is Constant Con right or all these other Gentile prophets saying, oh, no, no, God's going to pull this out for us. Don't worry. And that's why there's this tension yes. here. You know, what I, one of the things that I'm seeing, and it's going to be an interesting thought, too, from a legal standpoint, there are those who uh, believe in God, and they believe in covenant, and there are some Christians that may have no clue about that, but let's just say the ones that believe in God and believe in covenant, our heart cry is to obey Scripture. Yes. And so there's a, a growing chunk of people, and at the call with Jonathan Kahn in Washington, D.C., for example, uh, there were a lot of people, we just came and we humbled ourselves, face on the ground, and repented for our wicked ways, and we just sought God. So there's, and I, and I didn't know this is more, not just a small group of people, there's a large a uh, company of people that are believers in God in the United States that would embrace your uh, this contract that was made early on. But just like in Israel, there are people that have kind of snuck in, and they are violating the contract because uh, our laws and our precepts and our constitutions are more marked—theirs are Marxism in mentality, and ours are Judeo-Christian and biblical— and so there's a separation that's going on in the world right now, too. How much of that is part of this equation, too? we got about a minute and a half to deal with this, and we'll take it up in the next segment as well, Earl. Okay, well, it's very much—you it, have to understand, if you understand Karl Marx's origins, and we're talking uh, neo-Marxism is what's been taught in our universities for the last 50 years yes. since the 60s, right? Well, figure out, read his poems. He's saying who he's making a deal with. He made a contract also. Mm. He made a covenant. And his covenant, Karl Marx, with, was, was with Satan himself. Yes. So if you're wondering why things don't make sense and they look demonic, there's a reason they look demonic, yeah. <laughs> because the, the demonic is now So you're saying that there's two different covenants at war with one another. Exactly. Oh that's, that's exactly what we're seeing. That's exactly what we're seeing. And we need to understand those spiritual roots and the contractual legal roots. Ooh. And when you understand those two dimensions, 
everything that's that's playing out here in in our world, in our sphere, so to speak, makes sense. Yes, and the, that's that's you, you've explained it very very well. The, con, the you know God is a God of law. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of law. But his contractual agreements is a reciprocal agreement. And uh, it looks like, you know, from taking a few steps back, it looks like the United States is violating at every turn of this particular administration the precepts that were set forth in the Constitution, in Judeo-Christian values. And, you know, it's perplexing. I know that there are many believers that would say, yes, we believe in the fullness of Scripture and those contractual agreements, even Micah, the book of Micah, and all those other agreements. But then the our government is usurping those in front of our face. And do we have the authority to go in and step in and, and make God stand on behalf of his law. And we're going to talk some more about these things in the next segment. Earl, I knew you were going to open up this this can, and I knew we weren't going to kick it down the road. We were going to deal with it. And Vilma, I know, is going to have some words of wisdom as we go forward as well. So we're going to take a commercial break and come right back. Uh, Earl Clampett, Vilma Clampett, and Kaz, uh, we're, we're, we're opening some things up. We you, you wonder what's going on in the world right now, in America right now. There's a breach of contract, and how is God going to solve that? We'll discuss that when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, and I am back, but I'm not alone. Oh, no. Vilma and Earl Clampett, Simple Truth Ministries, Simple Truth Ministries. Dot net. Uh, we're here talking about a very important topic, and I, uh, uh, Earl and I breached this at the close of the last segment. I used a phrase called breach of contract, and one of the things, you know, God is a loving God, but he's also a covenant God or a contractual God that he, that's, he you know, he, he sets, he sets uh, directives for us to obey, and it's not because he's trying to you know, do an iron hand upon us. He wants us to stay uh, in his heart, in his will, so that he can bless us. That's really the bottom line. And there are a lot of people, as I step back in the church, uh, in an observation of the church, Earl and Vilma, I see that there is a major breach of contract, even within the church itself. You know, the world is doing their own things, and, you know, there's a different judgment issue tied to them. But we in the church, if we've made a covenant to God through our church our intimacy with the the ecclesia, uh, with with God, we have some obligations. And I'll tell you, Earl, as I look at the church, I'm going, there are a lot of things that are going on in the church that is that are literally a breach of contract. So I'm going to ask you to reconcile this from your observation and point of view. And my friends, as Earl shares this with you, perhaps he's going to give us some nuggets on how God would have us get out of this difficult time. Earl Clampett. Well, there's a tension here, Kaz, and and, and you said the words out of your own mouth at the end of that last segment, which was um, there, based on the stipulations and the terms of the covenants that were formed in the early 1600s, especially with John Renthrop, um, as they put their feet onto the soil of America for the first time, these covenants run with the land. That means they continue beyond those early generations. And we have to live with the consequences, both the good consequences and the bad consequences. So when you said breach of contract, Kaz, let me explain something. If This is one of the rules of contracts and performance. If you are a party to a contract and the other side 
does a material breach of the terms of that contract, one of your remedies yes. is called rescission. You can rescind that contract and say, you know what? I'm out of this contract. I'm not held by this contract anymore because this wasn't a little breach. It wasn't a minor breach. It wasn't an inconsequential breach. It was a major breach, okay? Well, what's a major breach and what's a minor breach, okay? Well, that's oftentimes up to, the, up to a judge in the court of law or up to a jury. Um, and, and basically, this is the question. Have we, as a nation of America, for the last 50 years, with all of the abusive decisions that have come down from our Supreme Court, from all of the laws that have changed the fabric of our society, our rules, what we expect, our relationships. Um, basically, if God is looking at we have breached the contract, okay, with him, well, how did he handle it with the Jews? Mm. How did he handle it with them? Because in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, he said, I was... Um, I wanted to be like a father and a husband to you. Yes. you know, I, I gave you everything out there. And basically, you, you disobeyed, you ignored me, you breached the agreement we had at Sinai, and, and basically I can decide that this generation mm. is not salvageable. Is that, is that the reference where, where in Scripture it talks about him issuing a bill of divorcement? I, I believe, is that kind I, of I'm like not that? Sure if, but, I think, yeah, but I think that comes back to an Old Testament reference um, but I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Hebrews three and four mm-hmm. ties into First Corinthians ten. First Corinthians ten says all those these things happened to the Hebrews. This is Paul writing, mm-hmm. and as examples, yes. it serves as examples for us on how not to breach a contract with God. <laughs> because if you guys can learn from our Hebrew mistakes, you Gentiles won't make repeat those same mistakes. Yeah. But what's happened, Kaz? We made a contract. As a Gentile nation, mm-hmm. okay. Now we made it with the God of Israel. Notice when yes. Winthrop wrote this, he says, "I'm making this contract. We're making this contract with the God of Israel." Yes. Okay. So it's the same God. It's the same. It's the same entity that dealt with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? Yes. Okay. So here's our contract, and for the last fifty years, we bailed out. We said, you know what? We don't need the Ten Commandments in our, in our public places. We don't need um, prayer in schools, you know, in the late 1950s and early 60s. We can take prayer out of schools. And little by little, incrementally, insidiously, we start to basically say, we don't care what these earlier people said, mm-hmm. and we're not, we're not bound by it. Well, guess what? If we're breaching the con- contract with God, Micah 6.8 no longer applies to us, God can respond saying, well, yes. okay, I, I, I'm able to rescind the contract because I'm being a victim. Yes. I, am the, I am the victim of your breach, and it's a major breach, and it's been going on for 50 years, okay, legislatively, judicially, culturally. Morally. Morally. Totally. Ev- every dimension. Your nation has basically said, we're out, and you know what? We're going to give you lip service. And we're going to return to our little moats around our churches, and we're going to basically form our own little communities, and we're not going to think about kingdom, and we're not going to think about your goals. What's your desire? Let me ask you a question, stepping back on this. How much of that is the fault of the legislation and the the lawgivers in a place called Washington, D.C., that kind of forms things that are violating ours, you know, our precepts, and how much of it is the fault of the church for being asleep 
on our watch and allowing that to happen? I mean, because it's a little bit of both. It is a little bit of both. And just, I'm just going to briefly mention this. Um, a lot of these kids have been taught about so- so-called separation of church and state yes. based on a letter that was written by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptists. Well, it was totally taken out of context, and it's been preaching as if to say, oh, there's a separation yeah. of church and state. Yeah, a lie. If you go and read the letter, what was going on at the time in the early colonies is that the early colonies um, were, were setting up their own religious foundations. You had the Quakers in Pennsylvania, and you had the Calvinists up, up in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And in order to have a, a function or a, a, a position or office in the government, you had to be part of yes, that particular yes, yes, denomination. Yes. Okay. Well, the Danbury Baptists were getting picked on by government, and so they, they made a plea to, to the president, and Jefferson wrote him a letter and saying, look, um, you guys will run your own affairs. We've got to go by our Constitution. Yes. And basically, uh, in the First Amendment, the Congress shall make no law pr- prohibiting the free exercise yes. of religion. You guys can do your own yes. thing, whatever you want to do. And that became known as a separation of church and state. Yes. However, it, it, it has it was, been misinterpreted. Totally, because it was actually for the protection of the church people, the religion people. So government, stay out of our church affairs. Exactly. And, and we're, we're going no... Church stay out of the government affairs. Totally, we totally reversed, wrong. We switched, totally wrong. We switched it. We reversed it 180 degrees. And we perverted. We perverted, it and we've taught our kids that this is a principle of separation of church and state, mm. where the church has no voice in the public square. Which shut us up very nicely, didn't yep, it? It sure oh did. Oh my, my! And so it's amazing that people don't read the context and go back. If you don't, it's kind of like reading the Bible. If you don't know the context and you're just pulling verses out, well, the same thing applies to history. Exactly. You've got to go back and look at the context, what was going on back there. It's my been mind. abused. It's totally been abused. Yeah, but God wants to reconcile this. He will, and he'll clarify. This is part of the radio show. This is what we're doing right now, <laughs> you know? Go back and oh, check my. it out. Well, you know, God's got a plan, and we're seeing, you know, part of it is the church has to be the church. The church can't allow government to uh, legislate things that are violating our precepts and our principles, violating the Constitution, but even stepping back, violating the covenant that America has made with our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this whole violation of separation of church and state misapplied is one of the ma- one of the major things that has caused we Christians to steer clear of being involved in government. Are you kidding me? We need to be in the middle of government and uh, administrating government right. from God's perspective outward instead of allowing the government to tell us what to do. By the way, wear a mask. By the way, no worshiping in church. By the by, yeah, by the way, six foot of separation. By by the way, anybody who uh, is going to church within larger numbers than you know seven people, or you know I made that up, but you know you know what I'm saying. That this is totally a violation of the intent. We believers, we need to toe the mark and do what God wants us to do. We're discovering what that means, and we're going to spend some time in the next segments. Uh, we're in the next segments talking about this. So gear up for that, uh, Vilma. You've you've had a chance to observe on what's going on here. Would you? Uh, we need God's intervention here. Would you be so kind as to pray over this? I th- over this because I think we're getting to a point where we're, we're going to have to make some decisions, and I think Earl is leading us down that path as we go. Vilma, would you be so kind? Yes, Father. We as your children need to repent mm. for our complacency yes. mm. that we have withdrawn mm. from the public square, that we have withdrawn from everything, Lord, and we had just let the other side mm. take over. Mm. And that is not what you want. And we have 
we have rescinded the contract on our side, and we just need to repent for that, Father. And we ask that you would have, that you would show us how to come back and restore that which our founding fathers had established from the very beginning, because we have lost it completely. And we need that back, Father. It's the only way that you are going to honor your side of the contract as long as we repent and as long as we reestablish that which you had wanted from the very beginning. And Mm. we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Vilma, how remarkable. Exactly right on target on that prayer. And Earl, thank you for setting the stage. So we have a, a, a... last half hour of the last hour of the show to do this two segments. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like. But my friend, here's the deal. I I don't want you to get comfortable thinking, okay, well, the government is going to take care of it. Wrong. Well, uh, somebody else is going to take care of it. Wrong. A lot of these things are actually falling on our plate, on our calling to be able to be the, the believers that God wants us to be. And our, our belief is not sitting in a pew and doing nothing. Our, our obligation is to be activated, and we're going to tell you what God's Word says and what that looks like when Vilma and Earl Clampett and Kaz come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Frank Harper, pastor in North County. We need more of God this time than we've ever needed him before. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends, and we're coming up to the last half hour of this two-hour broadcast, and wouldn't you know, the Lord brings things to a point, and then he gives, he gives you challenges, 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 and then solutions, solutions, solutions. So we're going to take his character here and talk a little bit about some of the solutions, but Earl Clampett and Vilma Clampett are with me, and they have some judicial background that is remarkable, so they're using their understanding of the law and covenants and relating them to God's covenant with us. But here's the deal. It's also our covenant with him, and what do those things look like, and what are the ramifications on both sides of that equation? You know, Earl, one of the things that we do in the New Testament, a lot of times we we— we try to ignore the Old Testament and the and the covenant making and covenant keeping God and going, oh, it's totally different now. We're under the new covenant. But the truth of the matter is covenants are covenants, and covenants uh, cannot be broken. And uh, even under the new covenant, there's a reciprocal agreement here. So uh, we, we are still in a bit of a challenge because uh, we, we think the— character of the God of the Old Testament isn't relative to us to now these days. He, although he is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and we go, oh, that doesn't matter. We're in the new covenant, but we're still under that new covenant with the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's where the covenant is built and established, and if we violate our part of the covenant, it's a breach of contract. It's still a breach of contract. So even though you go, well, I don't, I don't embrace the Old Testament, you need to embrace the God of the Old Testament because the God of the Old Testament, surprise, is the God of the New Testament as well. So how do we reconcile those things? And uh, how do we, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, deal with this new covenant as based on the breach of contract and law and order? Earl Clampett, help us 
through this challenging time because we're facing this right now. We are. And thank you, Kaz. So I just want to end the last segment with this one sentence, and that is, um, I don't think that there can be a true revival, uh, third great awakening, whatever you want to call it, without deep, sincere, and true repentance by the church. Okay, and define the church. What does that well, mean? Well, it includes the remnant of the group that you were in Washington, D.C. with. Um, I, I'm concerned about why somebody who was very important in our government, um, when he was reading Second Chronicles uh, 13 through uh, yep. 14, he mm-hmm. stopped at the word turn and turn from their my, if my people will pray humble and humble themselves and, and turn, turn from their wicked yeah, ways and he, he didn't, didn't, he didn't say, say those that part, words which, which right? is very troubling it is very troubling and so we have to do listen judgment begins in the house of the yes. lord we, we know that out of peter right well okay i'm just saying i'm answering the 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 last segment's query which was can revival occur without true repentance in the church i don't think it can it can be a phony revival That's it true. can be a a, 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 mem- a fake revival yes. and we, we've had fake revivals revival. in the past or at least survivals that only go a certain level and yep. then because we're not interested in going all the way that's where the covenant is broken and that's where we fail well it's a flash in the pan and yeah. I, I don't think god's interested in no he isn't he is okay so you asked a question i want to try to answer that which is what do we do mm-hmm. okay and i think the answer in this um covenant scenario is now that we're getting to know god's nature through his covenants yes well, what is the new covenant? Well, it's mentioned for the first time in uh, Jeremiah 31, 30, 31, okay, Je- Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, also through 34. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And it says, when the uh, Jews were in Babylon in captivity, Daniel's praying for them, and he does identificational repentance, and, and the Lord responds and says, in that day I will make a new covenant with them. Now, yeah. this is... Not the covenant of Sinai, of God's you know uh, law written on stone tablets, which mm-hmm. they were trying to keep without the Holy Spirit, sure. which is a tough job, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. Well, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one says something that has to the kingdom has to from God the God the Father's perspective has to become internal, in, internally placed and internally located before it can become external to the rest of the world. Yes. The whole idea of the Lord's Prayer is to say, thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done. And on earth as it is in heaven, that's, the, that's the, also on the, earth, cl- here. That's the clincher. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is where the prize is. This is our inheritance. This is what the circular we're coming back to, okay? Um, and I think it's Psalm 115, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It says, heaven you know, belongs to the Lord, but the earth he gave to the children mm-hmm. of men. Yes. You know, Psalm 115, read that, blows people's mind. They go, I've never read that. I've never seen that. Okay. Well, in Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one, it talks about this law being placed in our minds and written in our hearts. Yes. Okay. Well, that's mentioned again in Hebrews chapter eight, Hebrews chapter ten, and um, basically, that is an experience that people are not quite sure what that looks like. Is that God taking a quill? A feather, you know, pen or a, a ballpoint pen, and he's writing his Ten Commandments in our, placing it in our minds and and putting it in our hearts. Well, I want to I want challenge some people to go to a couple of places in Isaiah and they'll have their minds yes. blown. Isaiah forty two eighteen. Just I don't, I don't have time to you know read it all out, but I'm just for those at home, write it down. Isaiah forty two eighteen, and then it's mentioned twice in Isaiah. The second time is Isaiah forty nine, uh, six through eight. 
in those two places, Father God is talking to the Son. It's very clear who's talking, who's having this conversation. Father God is telling Yeshua, Jesus, okay, the Messiah, I, okay, or rather, you are the new covenant. From father to son, he's saying, son, you are the new covenant. Okay, now think about that, Kaz. That's not a a tablet with law written on it. Father God is telling his son, you are the new covenant. All right, what happens when Jesus comes to to earth? Um, Basically, in Matthew 5, 17, uh, Jesus is answering uh, some questions about Jesus. Does the law still apply? How about the Old Testament prophets? And he, he answers in Matthew 5, 17, and says, I am the fulfillment of the law and prophets. Yes. I, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. In other words, you're looking at a human and divine embodiment, okay? Both God is, Jesus was very God of very God, but he was also very mm-hmm. man of very man. Now, very that, that's important because we have to remember the, the authority to, to rule earth was given to man in the first two chapters of Genesis. Gee, God never changed his mind. He's not going to give the authority to rule earth over to fallen angels who are in rebellion, per Isaiah 14 and Isaiah, 20, um, Isaiah 28. Now, so basically, what do we have in John 1? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh, and the Word dwelt amongst us. That's all in John chapter, chapter 1. And then we're saying... Jesus comes and says, "If I'm, I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And then we see, for example, John 14, 23. It says, and also John 14, 21. John 14, 23, it says, if you love me, listen to this, listen to this you'll keep my commandments. Yes. Okay, well, that sounds like law. And then he says in the other verse, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Okay? Well, what's God called? What's Jesus called? In the beginning of John, he said, in the beginning was, was the, the word, word, and the word, word was God and is God, and he yes. dwelt amongst us, right? What's, what's Messiah Jesus called in Revelation 19, 13, when he, sh- when he shows up, you know, riding on the horse, coming down on his thigh? Yes. What, what's his name? The word. The word. The word. On, the word. The word. What this new covenant is saying is the Father tells Jesus twice in Isaiah, you're the new covenant, and then Jesus shows up and said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I'm the embodiment yes, of the yes, law. Yes, I am it. the yes, law. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and here's another thing. People think that, oh, Jesus came to do away with the law. No, he didn't. Did, did he come to expand the law, or did he come to contract the law? How about this? If you look, if you do adultery with a woman, stone, right, mm-hmm. in, the, in the low law. I'm telling you, if you look you at a woman with lust in your heart, all right, was that an expansion of the law, <laughs> or was it a contraction of That's the law? That's a tough one for a lot of people. Yeah. It is. How about the rich young ruler, okay? The rich young ruler... You know, only one more thing to do to have eternal life, because he says, oh, I did all those four commandments that Jesus said. I've done them all. He says, fine, one more. Sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and then follow me. Mm. Okay? Did he expand the law in that situation, or did he contract the law for that rich, wrong ruler? <laughs> Jesus came as the new covenant yes. to be placed in our minds and in our heart, written by the Holy Spirit, and he's ex- an expansion yes. of the Mosaic Ooh. covenant. My listening friend, I, Earl has... Uh stirred you up here. If you, if you weigh the content of his words, it is uh, mind-boggling uh, that what God wants to do in his church these last days. And it is a covenant. It's reciprocal. And, uh, you know, in the next, in the next segment, we're going to p- 
pull all these things together. Bill has some insights at that time as well, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want you to realize that God's covenant is clean, clearly seen in like the book of Revelation when it talks about the different churches. The different churches, there's a, there's a level of obligation, and that's not Old Testament. That's New Testament. That's now time. We're going to visit some of the judgments, but also the blessings that are tied to that because God wants his church to be his church in these days, and the fake churches— He's not interested in. So if you are on the border of what a fake church is or the real church, you better opt for the real church because now is the time. We're going to talk more about that when Earl and Vilma Clampett and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends. I guess you can tell we've uh, spent a lot of time building the case. You know, uh, Earl is a lawyer, and what he does is, you know, uh, before he became a judge, he would build a case, and then he would uh, give his closing statements. So we're going to use this last segment as closing statements to you, my friends. We'll call it the closing statement uh, regarding the defense of God's church. What does that look like? What does it sound like? What do we need to do in light of this new covenant? I'm going to hand the ball over to you, Earl, but then I know uh, Vilma has some things he wants to share at the close as well. So lay it on us, Earl. Judge, I'm not going to say judge now because, you, you're well, you could be acting as a judge or you could be acting as a lawyer or a little bit of both. <laughs> Earl, go for it. <laughs> okay. Yes, um, I think that we have to come to a realization that Jesus didn't come so much to transport us as he did to transform us. Oh, not and transport as in being taken out. Well, exactly. He, and and so he, wants he, us to... he, he says, I'm not praying that, they, that, Father, that you take them out of this world, because they're, as long as they're in the world, they're going to have tribulation, but rejoice because I have overcome the world, right? Yes, and when we overcome the world, we are a showcase of other people to overcome the world as well. Exactly. Now, how does we do that? Because on the last segment, we talked about the new covenant yes. in the form of Yeshua, Jesus, being placed two places, in our minds and in our hearts, Okay. Well, I used to be a jail chaplain. I worked for the San Diego County Sheriff's Department for about 10 years. And we were told by the inmates, do you know how many times I've, di- I've had different church services come to where I, I gather on Sunday night and how many times I've raised my hand and I've been saved, mm-hmm. but nothing changes. Wow. I want to be transformed, okay? I, and where's this real gospel? And I think you want to say, well, what's the answer to, to today when the church is going to really become the called out as we're supposed to be? Well, I think this whole new covenant, uh, that if Yeshua is the embodiment of the law and he's the word of God, and he says to us in John 14, if you love me, you'll yes. keep my commandments and my father will love you and we, plural, will come and make our, our abode in you. That's the goal. It's the seventh uh, Hebrew feast of Sukkot. When you go up to the roof, you build this sukkah and you go inside. That's yes. what John 17 is all about. I and you, Father, you and me, and we and them, and them and us. And it's this whole um, indwelling of the Godhead in us. So that's what this new covenant experience is like. Is like. So I want to give you one example of what I used to teach the inmates in jail, because yes. they said, hey, show us an example. And I said, okay, how about this verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. When you give yourself over to God or Jesus as to the, your Lord and Savior, are we allowed to reserve all of me except my thought life? 
Oh, a thought on. life I'm keeping because I'm not going to give that to you. Pay attention, my friends. Okay. Listen to this. I want you to look in the mirror as, as he's saying this and look in the mirror and ask yourself and the Lord whom you serve the, the, these questions about yourself. So, so what, I, what I'm trying to teach this to the inmates, and, they, and I said, hey, can you control your thoughts for a minute? No. Can you control your thoughts? I keep going down. 45 mm. seconds? No. How about 30 seconds? I keep going down and down and down. They kept mm. saying no. Finally, I went down and said, hey, guys. Can you control your thought life for the next two seconds? 1,001, 1,002. And they go, yeah, we think we can do that. I said, okay. And the Holy Spirit told me when I was teaching, I was looking around for a, a prop, and he said, go to that old TV, grab the remote, look where the pause button is, mm. and tell them, hey, when you have a DVD and you want to use the restroom or go make yourself a sandwich and you're watching a good movie, what button do you push on that remote? Well, mm. you push the pause button. What does that pause button do? Mm. It freezes the image of your mind. Oh, my. Carolyn Leaf, the Christian neuroscientist, says, hey, you guys got six, no, I'm sorry, 30,000 thoughts a day in a 16-hour wake cycle. So we have opportunities to take a remote control and push this, this mm, pause, pause button, button and freeze frame and then go to God as it's frozen in your image. And you say, I have this thought, I'm not sure. Did Ooh. you give me this thought, God? Oh my. Or did it come from the enemy, mm. or is it mine? And he'll answer that, Kaz. And so you're kind of being this—it's um, kind of like a coffee filter. Would you make a cup of coffee without a filter? You know what that would mm. look like? It'd be a disaster. <laughs> it would the be whole, a swamp, yeah, let's say. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is like this coffee filter over our minds because he's going to bring a microscope, and we're going to be able to study those frozen images, take them to God, ask him the question, did you give me this thought? Did you give me this one mm, over here? So good. And if he said no, you can bind, You have the authority to bind, bind it, it, break it, get it out, okay, and replace it. Don't leave the house swept clean. Yeah. Replace it with the truth of the word of who you are in the Father, in Yeshua, and in the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of people in the church that de- they have not even considered this the con- the concept because, you know, God will forgive me, God will forgive me, God will forgive me. But that is presuming, uh, it's, it's, it's making your, you're making yourself God over God. Well, forgiveness is part one of the gospel. This part two is the part we never talk about, which is, hey, he gave you the power to overcome your fallen nature. Do 2 Corinthians 10.5, okay? Do 2 Corinthians 10.5. Do these steps that I taught these guys and the inmates in jail. Guess what? We had the lieutenants, the sergeants, and the deputies in the jail come up and said, what are you guys teaching in here? Because these two houses out of the six where we taught— these, these inmates aren't acting normal anymore. What are you teaching them? <laughs> so we saw actual change of the new covenant being placed in their minds, uh, written in their hearts, okay, by taking every thought captive. Ooh, God's so good, writing right? the law, ju- you know, uh, what you, what you, line by line, okay, ju- what's, Pre- it, what's it? Precept upon precept. Precept, upon yes. precept little by little. Yes. It's a process, and you're going from the image of Satan over to the image of Yeshua. I, I, I love it. You know, in, in Scripture, I'm thinking about this covenant, and this covenant is nicely outlined in the book of the Revelation with the seven churches. And the, there are a, a couple of churches that good, get a good report, but there's also others, uh, Laodicea, for example, uh, and it, it, it talks about uh, lukewarmness. And my friends, a lot of the church right now, and I ho- hope you are not among them, but you may be in a church that is, so one of the things that you need to do is be able to make sure that you are not lukewarm, that you are zealous for him, but also that you can encourage other people in your environment to get out of that uh, fallacious content yeah. because it's a false contract that you've made, not with God, 
but with the enemy. Vilma, there are some things that you saw in emails and things like that you want to share with us. We uh, take about three or four minutes. Okay. Yes, this is an e- uh, a prayer request from got it from um, Franklin Graham. Yes, and it deals with something that we are now battling right now in this country. It exemplifies how far away from God we have come. It it also um, wraps up everything that we have been talking about here today. So I'm going to read yeah. part of this email. The Equality Act is a dangerous threat to our nation. Mm. The Equality Act designates schools, churches, and healthcare organizations as, quote, public accommodations. With this, schools, churches, and hospitals could be forced to accept the government's beliefs and mandates about sexual orientation and gender identity. That would be highly intrusive and incredibly far-reaching. It will threaten everyday speech where people can be fired, fined, excuse me, or lose their jobs for using the wrong name or pronouns. The Equality Act will legislate that we allow boys or and girls sports, boys and girls locker rooms, men in women's shelters, and men in women's prisons. It will force teachers and students to publicly pretend that a biological male is a female. Schools will be encouraged to mandate or instruct first, second, and third graders that they can choose to be a boy Mm. or a girl or neither or both, Mm. making biological sex and science a relic of the past. The Equality Act will use the force of law across all 50 states to strip Christian and other religious ministries of their right to hire people of shared faith to pursue a shared mission. Can you imagine a Christian organization being forced to hire people hostile to its deeply held beliefs who have no passion for its beliefs teachings, and mission. That doesn't work. The Equality Act will strip health professionals of their rights of conscience. It will force doctors and medical professionals who long to do no harm to engage in gender transition treatments such as hormone blocking. Well. Oh, so hold on oh. a second. How am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> cross-sex hormones or surgery. It is obvious that a Catholic or faith-based hospital should not have to perform gender transition surgeries that so entirely go against all their belief. The Equality Act will be a tool used by the government to deny or threaten accreditation to religious colleges and universities. If they do not satisfy the demands of the secular left, to apply sexual orientation and gender identity to dorm sports, places of privacy, and even teachings. The act would be used as a weapon to threaten the availability of federal student loans and grants to students of a certain disfavored religious schools. Mm, These are just a few examples. Friends, 
This is a pivotal time for our nation. The impact on this legislation is immense. We must not remain silent and accept what we know is wrong. Vilma, thank you. Church, I hope you paid attention to that. Church, be the church. Church, make your stand. It's time for you to quit passing the baton to government to make decisions for you. You're seeing where that's going, and it's not good. Church, we need to rise to the occasion and be the church. In future shows, I'm going to deal with this in greater detail as well. Thank you, Vilma. Thank you, Earl, for letting us know about the covenant-keeping God And we need to be a covenant-keeping people as well. My listening friend, thank you for joining us on Come Together San Diego. See you next week. Thanks for joining Cass Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker. And then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise.